Good afternoon. Um, my name's Dr. Katie Turner. I'm one of the associate editors at Sexually Transmitted Infections. And today I'm going to be talking to Mr. Carl Jones from the NatSAL team about um, his recent paper, which we've published in STI, on the extent of paying for sex within the UK. Uh, welcome, Kyle. Good to have you with us. Hi, good to be here. Great. So could you tell me a little bit about the the background of your study and what it was, please? Absolutely. Um, so just first, firstly, NATSAL stands for uh, the National Survey of Sexual Attitude and Lifestyles. So this is a, a large probability sample survey, and it's conducted once every 10 years um, since 1990 and used to assess the sexual health of the British population. Uh, the major findings from this from our third NATSAL study have already been published in The Lancet at the end of last year. However, those papers really did just begin to scratch the surface of the information that we collected from the study. So all the analyses that have been done subsequently are using this data to dig deeper and answer other important questions in sexual health. So, for example, this paper focuses on a set of questions in the survey where we asked about paying for sex, and we asked people uh, whether they'd paid for sex with a man or a woman, um, when they'd last paid for sex, the number of partners that they had paid for, if they'd ever paid for sex while um, they were outside of the UK, and where they may have paid for sex while they were outside the UK. Right, okay. So I guess the, the next obvious question then is how, how common is paying for sex and who does it? So we found 11% of men aged 16 to 74, uh, 16 to 74 is the age range of the NatSAL study, um, and we found that 11% of men had reported paying for sex at some point in their lifetime. Uh, when we looked at this slightly more recently, we saw that about 4% of men had reported paying for sex in the last five years and about 1% in the year before interview. Uh, so the paper we, is really only concerned with the recent trends in paying for sex. And so we investigated um, more in detail the characteristics that were associated with men who had paid for sex in the last five years only. And what we found was that these men tended to be younger, so they were aged between, um, between 25 and 34, single. Um, they were in managerial or professional occupations. They reported higher partner numbers, uh, drinking heavily more often, and using recreational drugs. Uh, these men also reported practicing risky sex more often, such as having more sex with foreign partners while abroad and more concurrent relationships, um, which may explain, may, may go some way to explaining why they were also more likely to report higher STI diagnosis, um, higher portions of STI diagnoses. Um, however, we also did see an increase in, in, in precautionary behavior, uh, such as visiting STI clinics and being tested for HIV. Uh, we didn't find the same difference for condom use, though. Uh, so one thing just to note, probably, is that the greater precautionary behavior that we saw could probably be explained by the increased likelihood of reporting um, STIs. Okay, so men who pay for sex do have higher rates of STIs than other men. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes, uh, what we found from the papers, after we, um, even after we controlled for demographic variables and um, the effect of actually having higher partner numbers, we still found that these men were twice as likely to um, have uh, being to be diagnosed with an STI than other men. Okay, right. And and do women also pay for sex? It's probably fair, fair enough to say that women pay for sex less than men, uh, and. We, we did ask the question in, in NATSAL 3. However, the lifetime prevalence we came up with was about 0.1%. So 
So compared to the the eleven percent that we found for men, that would make women nearly a hundred times less likely to pay for sex than men. Personally, I think that's a little bit low in our relatively sex-saturated society. So one of the major themes of NatSol 2, which we undertook in, in 2000, was that the prevalence of a lot of behaviors had nearly doubled since NatSol 1. Um, and one of the reasons behind this may have been that people had, had a continu were continually increasing their willingness to talk about sex. So it may be the case that this very low prevalence is the result of women being less likely to report this behavior. I'm less willing to report this behavior, sorry. Um, and we may see it increase in the future in cell studies. Uh, however, I also must say that uh, the prevalence for paying for sex amongst women is pretty much unknown, and I don't think that there's another benchmark prevalence to compare ours to. So let's let's talk a bit more about the the um, men who pay for sex that you were able to collect data on in the in the study. So um, when when in their lifetimes do do men tend to pay for sex? Does it change through their life, or are men who pay for sex do they do it through their whole life? Well, we found what, what could be two peaks um, during a man's lifetime. So initially, um, from our initial analysis, we saw that the younger men, those aged 25 to 34, uh, were the ones who are most likely to be paying for sex. Uh, however, we do also we, we see really small increases in their, their reported paid partner numbers over that period. So from 16 to 24-year-olds through to the 25 to 34-year-olds, we only see an increase of about one paid partner per lifetime. So that kind of suggests that these people are probably just doing it once off in their lifetime. Maybe a, a bunch of men on a lads weekend in Amsterdam or something like that. Uh, we, <laughs> right. okay. we, we do see evidence of a second time during a man's midlife. So we see a higher increase in the lifetime number of paid partners. It goes from about five paid partners in the lifetime for men aged 30, um, 35 to 44 to seven for those aged age 45 to 54. Um, we also see that men aged 55 to 64 have um, both the highest lifetime prevalence of paying for sex and the highest prevalence in the last year. So to me, this suggests that there's probably a subset of men who continue to pay for sex as they age. Uh, but it also could suggest that um, there are men who, when they hit their midlife, uh, start paying for sex. Uh, and these are all probably men who are unsatisfied in their current relationships um, or could have experienced a major relationship breakdown. That would sort of fit with some of the recent evidence about um, increases in STIs in those older age groups as well, in both men and women, I think. Yeah, that could be, that's true. Possibly. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that the men who reported paying for sex also had higher rates of sexually transmitted infections. Um, so does that mean that paying for sex is itself a, a risky behaviour? Oddly enough, the evidence tends to point towards the contrary. Uh, so while large parts of the sex work industry remain unregulated, the, there's an increasing legislative framework around paying for sex, and that often means that the sex worker is able to insist upon condom use, uh, which means that you, you can find that um, paying for sex, paid sex, is often safer than sex with regular partners. So this means that the behavior of paying for sex may not be a risky sexual behavior, but the evidence from our paper certainly suggests that men who are paying for sex are at risk for STI transmission over and above other men. So we suggest that this probably means paying for sex should be used as a marker for someone who is sexually risky and um, at greater risk of STI transmission, rather than the behavior itself being a risky behavior. Right. 
it seems that a lot of men who do pay for sex report doing so outside of the UK. Can you comment on why you think that might be? Well, we found nearly two-thirds of men, so that's a, a large proportion of the men do pay for, for sex while they're outside of the UK. And the simplest uh, explanation will simply be that, that prostitution is not legal in the UK. Uh, but for me, you really only have to walk past one red phone box um, or do a Google search to see that this is clearly not stopping anyone. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an alternate theory may be um, a theory called the theory of situational sexual behavior. And the basic premise behind it is that certain situations tend um, to um, lead towards sexual behavior that one would not normally partake of. Uh, good examples of this are probably prisons, uh, to a lesser extent, same-sex boarding schools. So you, in those situations, you may often see more homosexual behavior in people who would other, otherwise identify as heterosexual. Um, so back to why this applies to paying for sex. Being outside one of uh, one's home and touring another country is an exciting and a novel situation different to the behavior of everyday life. And therefore, it's a situation that tends to present unique opportunities conducive to um, the behavior of paying for sex. I mean, there are, after all, a subset of men who like to fly to these foreign destinations just for the sole purposes of paying for sex. Yeah, I wondered, I wondered whether how much of it was traveling for the purpose of sex as opposed to having paying for sex whilst abroad for some other reason, as you say, like a lad's holiday or a stag weekend. Do you have any data on on those that distinction or we we couldn't unfortunately make that distinction, but I do think that is something that's probably important to investigate in the future because there is certainly from what from what we were able to pull out there does seem to be a set of men who do this maybe once or twice in their lifetime, and then there are those people who continue throughout their lifetime to pay for sex. Uh, again, this, 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 this gentleman I sat next to on a plane was, was very unashamed about it. He didn't have any problem telling me that that's exactly why he was going to Thailand. So these seem to be people that are far more comfortable with it and just it's a part of their lifestyle. And I suppose so we've discussed some of the sort of implications of the data and the, the survey. Obviously, it's a, a population-based survey. So this is one of the few population-based surveys of sexual attitudes and lifestyles so from that point of view it's a really nice snapshot of of sort of sexual behavior and attitudes towards paying for sex and obviously these men appear to be at, at high risk for for a variety of reasons not just because they pay for sex but th through their other sexual behaviors as well so I guess that raises the question of what what sorts of interventions or public health policies might help to improve the sexual health of people who do pay for sex, which is predominantly men who pay for sex. So these men have, have typically been a really difficult population to reach. And uh, so intervention, interventions are also difficult to implement. But uh, what we did find is that one of the things um, these men report is a much greater likelihood to attend a sexual health clinic or um, test for HIV, uh, whether or not that's a consequence of them um, having a higher STI diagnosis rate is irrelevant, but um, these present opportunities, really good opportunities for clinicians to actually engage with these men and to engage with them in sexual health promotion around having paid partners or partners from other global regions. Thank you very much, Mr. Kyle Jones from the NatSAL team. Um, and if you would like to read the full paper, please go to sti.bmj.com. <laughs>